everybody. Um, welcome back to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Here we discuss your favorite movies of all time, as well as the ones that got away. We look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan, and that of the uncultured who's never seen it before. Until now. We're your hosts, Joe and Justin, here to act as your guides, playing part as both the fellow enthusiast and the ignorant and uncultured. Yep. Today, we'll be talking about a seasonal American classic on par with apple pie and baseball. It's 1983's <laughs> A Christmas Story. Oh my god, okay, so this is from 1983. Oh, oh, I have a whole segment I'd like to talk about um, with uh, nostalgia in relation to this movie. Yeah. Um, because yes, this is an eighties movie that takes place in the forties. The forties. Um, okay. That's when I was trying to figure out like, what is the time frame here? Yeah. 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 It's, it's really vague because it's all very much like taking place on this one house and this one block, but it's, it's kind of supposedly during world war two. Like you can see some people in crowd scenes walking around in like, um, army uniforms. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Um, before we get into it, though, let's let's give some context, y'all. It is Christmas Eve. Yes, it is. Um, Justin and I are ever committed to the bit, and so we are recording an episode now, uh, yep. and then we have to rush off and go wrap presents and stuff. Do um, the thing. I, <laughs> I am in the basement of an Airbnb in another state from my house because I'm visiting my family. Yeah. Um, and Justin. Uh, before we get into it, congratulations, because I don't know if you noticed, but this is our official eighth episode, but our unofficial 10th episode. Oh, my God. Have two episodes that are hidden in the vault that we never released. That's right. The Walt Disney vault. They are hidden away, never to be seen unless you really want it. Right. We couldn't get the rights to the music, so we can't distribute. It's the whole thing. It's a whole Um, logistic, logistical uh liturgical kind of nightmare sort of thing but yeah that's amazing episode 10 look at us ten go. double digits of the uci we're doing it double digits I'm how proud are you of us. feeling so far i feel like <clears throat> we've really we've really kind of evolved our voice uh and gotten a lot smoother especially compared to like the very beginning when our our episodes were like three hours long the beginning was rough yeah it was <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's been a bumpy ride but i'm glad that we've kind of found our flow and hmm. you know we've reached the pinnacle of where we are at right now with episode 10 Christmas Eve doing a Christmas story. It, it in- feels, it feels very season finale vibes. It feels it like does, we have right? a lot of good things to look forward to in the new year too, that we'd like to try out. Yeah. This is um, consider this like, you know, the BBC, the, the doctor who's late. This is our Christmas special. This, this is, is our, our Christmas late- special. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited. Um, we're we're all kind of in like different places. We're pulling away from the main storyline just to have a little pocket of something to talk about Christmas. Yeah, I'm wearing my pajamas. It's pajamas all day. It's a onesie. This is a onesie, by the way. I'm wearing onesie. I'm wearing a hat that says "Oh dear," except it's like D E E R because it has like Rudolph on it. Clever Joe, <laughs> ever the clever bastard. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, this is you know a lightning in a bottle kind of an episode. Uh, we're up against the clock. Like like Joe said, we got presents to wrap. We got booze to drink. We got cookies to make. We're in like a, a bubble of air right now uh, when I have to, between like uh, going to different family gatherings and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but let's get into it. So yeah. a Christmas story, mm-hmm. Justin, you had never seen this before, which I am amazed by because this is such like a seminal classic. Uh, I, I think TNT since like the nineties has done like a 24 hour Christmas story marathon every single year. Yes. I, I meant to look it up and see how long they've been doing that because that's been my only exposure to this movie. Um, Every year it would be on TBS, and I was like, this movie looks old as shit. It looks boring. Let <laughs> me turn on uh, Elf or the Grinch or the classic Grinch or the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, any of the other ones that could capture my attention more than just a boring little family in Indiana struggling apparently now during World War II. <laughs> The draft is happening in the background. Um, yeah, I know. Little little Ralphie and uh, and his brother are just like itching to get into the war. It's you any day tell. now. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, that's been my only exposure. I had seen like little bits and pieces because, like you said, it's been on, it's on twenty four hours a day on TBS. Very funny, and I would catch little snippets here and there. So I never knew the whole story, what the plot is, uh, how we get from beat A to beat B. And I only got, you know, some of the major kind of cultural references via, like, the the commercials that run a few days before yeah. TBS would show it all day. So I knew about the bunny costume. I knew about the Red Rider BB gun. And uh, that's about it. Like, and that's all you really need to know about the movie. Um, but that's that's my only contextual bit. That I, that I had as with most movies we tend to cover this this one has like an iconic line or an iconic image in almost every scene right yeah uh, this movie is very much like a a series of vignettes is how i would describe it with kind of like a broader story wrapping around it but it's literally just like one family's journey towards christmas and yeah. what life was like back then in the 40s apparently um so i'm it really excited terrible. for you to try and do this plot description yeah the uh, the 40s looked awful <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's this snow covered town it's it's kind of similar to uh our previous episode on gremlins where it's just kind of like middle america you know mm-hmm. uh this this nameless town um where it's 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 really just a, a slice of life leading up to yeah. christmas except this this movie is 100% about Christmas rather than having Christmas as kind of like the backdrop. Correct. Right. Yeah. This, which I did appreciate, like this encompassed the spirit of Christmas as a child. Yeah. Um, surrounding the magic of it, right. Getting to that one special gift you always wanted. Um, the, uh, mysticism and allure of Santa Claus, you know, writing to him, going to see him in person, that whole kind of thing, dropping hints to your parents. I appreciated all those little nuggets that mm-hmm. dropped along the way. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of talking about that, like how it kind of permeates into our life and our lives, really. And, you know, what's our own version of a Christmas story, right? I want to get, I want to get into that. It's it's really uh, it's interesting that they have it through the perspective of Ralphie, the the older son, because really like what it is, is like through each of these little vignettes as the story progresses, it's almost like you're hitting a lot of the checkpoints that you would hit as a child. But like they're just telling that story through the lens of Christmas, like it's the first time that you 
say the F word in front of your parents accidentally. It's the uh, it's the it's the end of the school year report that you have to do. It's like it's that one gift that you're always trying to get for Christmas. Um, yeah. It's 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 a lot of this recognizable stuff, even though this movie, <laughs> again, takes place 80 years ago. Yeah, essentially. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but in my, my own experience with this movie, I mean, we were listing off like uh, popular Christmas movies in, in my research here. This one usually makes like the top five list of Christmas, just like the most popular Christmas movies of all time, along with Absolutely. like, you know, It's Wonderful Life, uh, White Christmas, older movies like that. Yeah. Then you also have like Home Alone and Elf uh, getting into the more modern the 90s, kind of 2000s. classics. Yeah. Die Hard is always in there, kind of up in the air. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, I, I really like how this this um, movie exists in a bit of a bubble, uh, even though so this this movie's based off of a book written by oh. a guy named Gene Shepard. He's actually the narrator of the movie. He's playing the older. Really? Out. That's cool. OK. And it's it's based off of somewhat based off of his own childhood. And he actually there's a series of movies uh, uh, that are like follow ups and precursors to this movie. The Whoa, really the story is really just the one that hit. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're all like based off of this guy's life. Um, it's usually like different casts playing. Uh, so this cast never really like reunited mm-hmm. uh, to play these characters, even though they they did have a recent sequel where a lot of the main people came back. That's cool. Um, but this movie is like one of like eight different movies that just are, are about this family. Uh, the Parkers. Uh, I had no idea. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 Even though it, it, it feels like it kind of just exists. It, it was like a lightning in a bottle type moment where this movie just randomly came out in the 80s and like there was no real follow-up or anything like that right yeah that, uh, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense but yeah i i had no idea about those other other movies and that's really cool i mean like the, general, there's there's some that are like uh made for tv there's some that take place in like the fourth of july there's there's like some follow-up christmas ones that's cool um, okay. yeah i saw like after the movie ended there was like a christmas story 2 with dan stearns in it apparently yeah. And then now there's like an official, unofficial, fifty years later sequel, A Christmas Story, Christmas. It's like it's like the Halloween franchise where they did a bunch of sequels and follow ups, and then they had like a sequel that came out recently that kind of just retcons it all and is like does it okay okay to the original movie. They're they're kind of doing that. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what that sequel's about. Uh, Cause I have some thoughts on young <laughs> Ralphie here. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, my thoughts on this movie, it's, it it really in my household, it really helped us to kind of establish a vocabulary around Christmas because this movie is just so quotable. Yeah. Um, everything from like the red rider uh, BB gun to the, <laughs> the, um, a double dog dare, triple dog dare moment where he sticks his tongue to the pole. So um, <laughs> saying fuck while changing the, the tire. For the first <laughs> Something that kind of went over my head as a kid because he, he masks it by saying fudge. fudge. Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> say fudge. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is probably one of the more popular Christmas themed movies that we watched in my household during Christmas, even though 
we tended to not really watch Christmas movies during Christmas. We were more of like a Lord of the Rings marathon type house. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering like what, what, when it came to movies, what were your like Christmas mainstays growing up? So you touched on like the previous episode that we did of gremlins. Um, that always came on TV at a, around Christmas time. I would watch mm-hmm. that. Um, it was always the, the stop animation, um, Rudolph, uh, movie, that one. Um, and then some, there's like several of those movies, right? There's several of them. Yeah. The stop um, animation ones. Yeah. Uh, watch those a bunch. Um, uh, but not until I got into like preteens, later high school kind of thing when like like you said the more modern kind of classics started coming out um the those became the the mainstays that i would watch every year the grinch um polar express and uh you you know all those all those other ones elf that kind of stuff but yeah prior prior to that it was just you know uh we we also weren't real big on just like watching actual Christmas movies. It was just like whatever was on TV mm-hmm. and um, you know, whatever they, they deemed itself. I liked um, and, and I like this in general. It doesn't have to just be about Christmas, but I love holiday specials from t- TV shows and cartoons and stuff. Uh, I always loved them growing up. I love a good Halloween episode. I love a good, you know, like summer schools out episode. And of course I love Christmas episodes for real. It's of like, um, you know, like Family Guy or Rugrats um, and, and all that kind of stuff. But even though, so, like, so about Rugrats, you know, that was my first exposure to Hanukkah, right? Oh, yes. They, Get they, had, they had the Hanukkah episode. And I was like, what even, what even is that? And I don't remember like asking my parents, like, what even is Hanukkah? Who are the Israelites? What is going on? Why is, is Pickles a, a Hebrew name? Were they, (laughs) were they Jewish in Rugrats? I never really watched the show. Yeah. Cause like his grandparents were, um, from the old country, they would bring borscht and (laughs) all this kind of weird, weird stuff over to, to make for, for the holidays. But that was my first exposure to, you know, a different culture. Um, but I just internalized it and just kind of like, oh, this is just like a thing that people, some people do like it's, it's a different kind of thing of, of Christmas, but yeah. Uh, growing up, like I would always just gravitate towards holiday specials of any of the cartoons that I would watch. And granted, they would come out towards like the beginning of December, kind of thing. You know, yeah, nothing's got, coming out on like Christmas. Christmas, yeah. of course not. But you know, I loved like the Beavis and Butthead Christmas special. It's essentially a, a telling of, uh, I think it's um, what is it? It's uh. What's the one with the three ghosts? Oh, uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, yeah. It's essentially a telling of that or... With Beavis uh, and Batman. Yeah, it was great. I love that. Yeah, yeah those we, are essentially the things that I watched growing up. We've talked about um, doing kind of like a television episode as part of the um, Uncultured Cinematic Universe. And one of the things I, I want to make you watch eventually, you've never seen Bob's Burgers, have you? No, I haven't. They... That is one of the animated shows that has some pretty epic uh, holiday episodes. They usually have a fantastic Thanksgiving episode and then a Christmas uh, episode follow up. Love that. Um, yeah, they're, they're in like their 
eleventh or twelfth season right now or something, and they just got like some huge traction because this 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 past year's Christmas episode was so great and it was making people like kind of emotional. Ooh, I love that. But yeah, uh, there's uh, I'm I, I'm like making a list of episodes in my head that I want to eventually make you watch. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally into into doing that. Um, you know, we can look at like special. Uh, episodes that that stand out yeah. you know like you're saying like holiday episodes or you know we can look at like pilots of movie of tv shows we've never seen before like if it yep. if it captures you but yeah like folks listening at home and watching us on youtube like that's that's kind of the the new era of the uncultured cinematic universe is that we're kind of trying to play with other bits of media to try and talk about um still going to be movie centric i think because i think there's a ton of stuff that either one of us hasn't seen which is insane uh which would be fun to talk about but yeah i'd, I'd love to to dig into those kinds of it's things. it's a universe it's multifaceted it it's it contains multitudes it definitely does and layers okay so justin before we talk any further i think um one minute uh should be good enough for a plot description let's see how much of this you can actually cover uh because it is simultaneously not a very plotty movie but then it's not it's like completely plot at the same time it's just it's it's a lot of different things happening it's pretty simple and i think a minute i should be fine we'll see we'll see yeah we'll fucking uh, see <laughs> okay are you ready um yes okay one minute starts now a Christmas story takes place in some kind of podunk little town, apparently in WW2. I had no idea before this, but Joe already pre-armed me with that information. So it's this small family of four uh, circles around Ralphie, who really wants a BB gun because he wants to kill. And he would love nothing more than to have a gun. <laughs> uh, and it circles around the buildup to Christmas Day. He really wants this gun. He's fantasizing it a uh, fantasizing about it a lot in school at home uh he's writes letters to santa he goes to see santa he's dropping hints to his family left and right uh there's a bully at school of course because it's it's elementary school uh his uh his dad's kind of not even there his mom is really sweet and nurturing but then christmas day comes he gets all these cool presents but not the gun but then the last minute his dad says go check the thing and there's the gun and he's super excited and he almost shoots his eye out but he doesn't uh, and then he sleeps with his gun because he's excited. And that is time. Yeah, you you got like the main plot. There's just like eight separate little side plots. <laughs> Not even really like plots because they don't really go anywhere. There's just they're like, like they're it like fills out the story. Scenes. They're li they're little monologues. Yeah, it's um, you know, I kind of touched on some of them. Like, there's the whole like school aspect going to and from school. There's the bully. Uh, there's his little brother kind of little bit of it, a uh, little bit of an aspect. Then there's like his home with his mom and his dad mm -hmm. um, and that kind of relationship and how it is at home. And then there's just like the fantasy of Christmas that's, that's you know, propelling the story forward, right? I, 
I love a movie that feels like it could be like adapted to stage really easily. And this is definitely one of those where you can just have like individual scenes where people are just like giving these hilarious little monologues on these uh, little moments. Yeah. Right. Like the main obvious like set design would be the house. That's where mm-hmm. a lot of the, the magic and notable stuff happens. You get the lamp, you get the tree decoration, you get the bedroom stuff. And, um, all those kinds of things. And then like the other stuff is just secondary, like going to and from school and there's really nothing else. They go and get the tree, but that's, that's about it. Oh, oh. And then there's the, um, the parade and going to the mall, but like, that's the other big set piece. But like the main one that you would build around would be the house. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a whole list of like, uh, checkpoints in this movie that I can go through. Uh, and I, I wanted to get your opinion on all of them, but let me give you some stats real quick first. Yeah. Christmas Story, um, released in 1983, directed by Bob Clark. It stars Peter Billingsley as uh, Ralphie, the main character. Uh, Melinda Dillon, Darren McGavin, and Ian Petrella, uh, with uh, Gene Shepard as the narrator. Again, this movie is based off of his childhood. Uh, It was released in November. Uh, It made $20 million, which is pretty great. Wow. Uh, Looking, wow. looking back, like that, that's also the same gross as um, Best in Show, uh, a previous episode that we did that took place like 20 years later. Right. Um, so this 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 movie was making pretty good money for the 80s. Um, and yeah, it's 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 considered a Christmas classic pretty much always uh, on any list of the top 10 Christmas movies that you see. Um, and it's it's really it's it is it is a movie about just. Uh, the happenings in this family leading up to Christmas, you you have the overarching plot that you gave, which is like Ralphie. He's this nine year old kid. He really wants a toy BB gun for Christmas. Everyone, every adult he encounters says that he'll shoot his eye out. And my favorite thing that this movie delivers on is that the very first time he uses the gun, he shoots himself in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He lines it up perfectly. He has the target, but he doesn't think that the metal backing that he has isn't going to immediately ricochet that shit right back in his face. <laughs> um, some, of, some of the other uh, kind of plot points in this movie that you hit, uh, there's, there's a scene where the kids are all uh, gathered in the uh, schoolyard for recess, and then you have kind of a back and forth where two of them are daring each other to stick their tongue to the pole. Yep, That's become kind of an iconic moment. Uh, the kid gets his tongue stuck to the pole. Um, there's obviously the whole. Uh, this is this is one of the pretty big subplots where the dad, the unnamed dad in the movie, gets a lamp uh, as a as a, oh, he wins some sort of contest and gets a lamp in the mail in the shape of a leg. That's become one of the more iconic visuals yeah. in the movie as well, and you can tell the mom hates it because it's so like now. Now knowing the time frame in the forties, it's so sexualized and so ridiculous. <laughs> and he is the dad is so obviously like horny for this lamp, and the, the part, mom knows it. <laughs> the part where he reads the box before opening it and says "fragile" was also very heavily coded quoted in my household growing up. So I knew that phrase. The Fragile from... Fragile. I think, I think it was in a Rugrats episode. Yeah. <laughs> they had some movers or something, and it was like, huh, Fragile must be French. 
Like hilarious, right? It must but be Italian. I didn't know that's where it came from. That's amazing. It's awesome. Um, there's one of my one of my favorite little scenes in the movie is when he <laughs> he's listening to the Little Orphan Annie show and he has the decoder pen. Uh, and he thinks <laughs> I know he's he's decoding this like super secret message for the Little Orphan Annie fan club, and it's be sure to drink your oval tea. See, and he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Marketing and capitalism already had their <laughs> nails just in the the youth of the time, and uh, it's it's great. I love that. That's the payoff. It's so funny. So funny. yeah. Saying saying fuck while uh, changing the tire, he he spills all of the nuts and bolts the first time he tries to help his dad uh, uh, replace a tire, uh, a flat tire. He says, uh, "Oh fudge!" And then the narrator's like, "That's not what I said, actually." I didn't say. Fudge. And then the the hilarious bit is that like he clearly learned profanity from his dad, but none of the adults really see that because his dad's in this constant battle with the furnace downstairs, and he's constantly like screaming f words at it. Uh, and the parents are like, "Where did you learn that?" <laughs> and he narks on his friend, and his friend <laughs> obviously got reprimanded for it. So Joe, okay. Here's my central thesis and my problem with this movie. Tell me. Okay. So I am a millennial parent raising right. a child in the new way that millennial parents raise. And that is via gentle, respectful, responsive parenting. Those are all styles of parenting, right? Uh-huh. Watching this movie and seeing how the adults and specifically the parents treat these kids is so fucking triggering to me because it's just like, oh my god, it's this very is hard so, knock life. It's so coercive. It's so like borderline abusive and like making him like suck on the soap uh, after he yeah, says the word, like ridiculous stuff that like obviously. You know, there's there's two camps of it. There's one camp of like, well, that happened to me and I turned out real fine. It's like, sure, you did, Jim Bob. I bet you did. Um, <laughs> but then there's the other half of being like, Ugh, like, I don't think I could do that to my kids. So that's my only like issue with this movie is just like seeing the progression of that stuff. And then I touched on this earlier in my plot description. Obviously, all this is rubbing off on Ralphie. The kid wants to murder. He wants to get his first kill. He wants a gun. You know, it's the 40s. I get it. Whatever. He wants a gun. And then later, we like, he snaps and he goes and beats up Turd Ferguson or whatever his name is. The the bully. Like, Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. Yeah. He wants to murder that kid. He's beating him to a pulp all the while. Like you said cursing and doing all this stuff exactly like his dad so like where else did he learn from his dad and it's this this i took this whole other dark reading of the movie but like it's very much like these are the stories you hear from your your grandparents childhood um it's 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 interesting because i was kind of thinking about it through the through the lens of nostalgia and we right now in in 2022 uh, we have so many TV shows and movies that are nostalgic for the 80s, uh, obviously like Stranger Things and uh, the like. But this this movie took place in 80 or this movie came out in 83, which was about 40 years ago. So 
And it took place in a time that was 40 years before that. So it's, it's kind of weird to think about like when this movie came out, there may have been a similar sense of nostalgia for that time Absolutely. that we get for shows like stranger things. So like, Absolutely. So it, like- it, it portrays this kind of like heightened version of the 1940s that uh, I wonder if people were kind of like missing at the time they were missing that, that level of like latchkey kid. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of Christmas magic from the small town kind of thing. Cause yeah, you, you take the forties and you flash forward 40 years into the eighties, like, uh, you know, m- uh, malls t- coming out in the world, um, shopping, marketing, merchandising, all the kind of stuff like has gotten their fingers into these people. So yeah, they yearn for the simpler times, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's kind of key to the staying power of this film, I would say, like how popular it's remained over the past 40 years because yeah. it harkens back to obviously like, a time of Christmas that was super analog and super simple. Like you're saying, like it's, it's, he wants a, a solid, uh, good old, just toy. It's a gun, but he wants like a toy from a toy store for Christmas. And he believes in Santa Claus and he wants it. Right. And right now it's, it's, it's more like, uh, I, I want like a million followers on my Instagram for Christmas or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not to be thing. like these kids these days or anything like that. But God damn um, it. These kids. these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe, you're absolutely right. So like, I hadn't thought about it from that kind of perspective. So like you could easily sub out like obviously some of the problematic bits and there's a lot um, from this movie. You can take all that out and you can sub in some of the other things of like to kind of modernize it. Right. So, um, and I think like Toy Story kind of did that of like romanticizing a toy that's popular Mm -hmm. at the time. And that's kind of what it is. Like he had his little orphan Annie show and he had this fantasy of being a character and he wanted the accessory to then be the character. And that is so accessible to any kid at any time frame, really. Um, And I was trying to like latch on to my own um, like experiences with Christmas and being a kid and being excited about stuff. And the one example that I could think of, um, you know, uh, it's well, now I can think of two, but one was, I really wanted a drum set and this was yeah. just didn't have to do with like a TV show or an action character or whatever. Like I was really into bands growing up and I was super into, uh, no doubt at the time, like tragic kingdom just dropped and it was, it was fire. Who I loved it. And I loved playing drums along with it, just like tapping along. And I really wanted a drum set for Christmas. And I would do the same thing that Ralphie does throughout the movie, which is like you fantasize about like, what would it be like to have the thing that you really want and, you know, have the thing, uh, you know, like influence your life in other ways. You know how he's when he's in the school and he's like he's writing his perfect letter and his teacher is just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever read. A plus, 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 plus. It's a description of a gun. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a dumb description of a gun. But like, I kind of did similar things. You know, I would drop big hints to my parents that like, I really want a drum set for Christmas. Oh, man, I would love it if I didn't have to play on cardboard boxes anymore. Think of it if I didn't have to beat up all these cardboard boxes with all these sticks. You know, if I had an actual, oh, man, if I only had a drum set. Right. Like uh, and then one of the other ones that just popped into my head, like I really wanted those um, 
Power Ranger like gloves. They were uh, you put them on, and there was like triggers in the fingers and thumbs. Oh, shit. so like you could go like like the sound effects by hitting buttons and stuff. And they were super cool because Power Rangers were awesome at the time uh, in 94, 95. And I really wanted them. I want those now. God. The same kind of thing of like fantasizing about having the thing, being a Power Ranger, right? Because you're obsessed with the show or obsessed with the culture of it and all that. And so like I, I think long story short, long way of saying that like the elements of this movie I can totally appreciate. And I think that gives the staying power of it because the audience can glom on to those themes and those experiences because we all did it. And now Joe, I want to know from your perspective, what was your, you know, triple action carbine, red rifle, red rocket thing that you really wanted as a kid. My red rider BB gun. So I, uh, I was around Ralphie's age in about like 2002, 2003 ish. So it was really like the golden age of like kind of, uh, early, uh, well not really early, but like computer games. So we would always want like, uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon or like Age of Empires yeah. as a computer game, like a solid like disc, stick it into the Windows 98 and play it. Um, because we weren't allowed to have video games growing up. <laughs> yeah. So that that was kind of it for me, uh uh kind of getting into the digital age. Um, but I have very slightly like nostalgic uh feelings about like going up and down the aisles of Walmart specifically during Christmas at that time. Uh and then they always had the uh did you ever go to Walmart and like they had the the video games or the computer games that you could just play there? Yeah. Yeah, dude. They don't have those anymore. Uh they, they have Target. them at Target. I've seen them at Target. Target's see Target's too fancy. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it was definitely more on the, the gaming side of things for me. Um, but I, I think this movie really does uh, sum up nicely how how easily when you're a kid, uh, you can become so singularly focused on one thing. Yeah. Um, and how everything in your life then becomes about like achieving that goal or wanting that goal. Uh, and it, so many things happen in this movie and he interacts with so many characters, but it's all kind of leading towards that point of getting, uh, the gun. And I liked, um, I liked the bait and switch of like Christmas morning comes and you could kind of see it coming, yeah, but kind of not like Christmas morning comes there. They get piles of presents and really, you know, you get the typical stuff as an eight year old, you get socks and you hate them cause they're from your aunt and you're like, whatever. And you get some cool stuff, but like that one thing you really wanted, oh man, you didn't get it. But then some of that Christmas magic still exists and is, you know, flowing throughout the house. And that's when the dad is like, oh, uh, what's that over there? Go go check behind the desk. And I, I loved that too. That was such a nice um, round out moment. But also you could tell like that's what that was, that was going to happen. Because um, like you can't end the movie and not give the payoff of like the the thing that the kid really wanted, but I liked the way that they went about it. It wasn't just a random box under the tree. It was a little hidden because it was special. And I, I, I did like, like, even though this movie is kind of zany and super heightened at certain points, I wonder if it was almost disruptive at the time in the way that it uh, portrayed like a more realistic family. Cause like, 
if we're talking about like the 40s and Christmas, you think more of like it's a wonderful life that's like wholesome and stuff. Whereas this one, it's a little grimier and uh, the the family uh, really knocks into each other and they have a lot of like more realistic interactions. And then when they are when they're all kind of like all the presents are strewn about them and uh, little Randy's like asleep in the middle of the uh, floor and they're all just kind of relaxing on the couch. It almost feels like a, a, a realistic uh, family portrayal in that way. Yeah. Uh, right. Which I like, think, I wonder if that was like a step forward from the more uh, like glossy portrayal of Christmas in movies at the time. Probably. And I really did appreciate that. Cause that's what, that's what I remember Christmas kind of feeling like the aftermath, right? Like you're sitting mm-hmm. in the afterglow of Christmas morning of just like paper strewn about toys everywhere. (laughs) Someone's super tired on the couch. Mom and dad are just laying there, you know, quietly sipping their coffee. Or in this case, they're ripping uh, wine, like red wine (laughs) in the morning on the couch. And I love that so much. Uh, uh, Ryan sent me a meme and I, uh, it's, I'm seeing it everywhere now of like, Shout out to the parents from A Christmas Story who are just getting blitzed on the couch on red wine at 10 in the morning on Christmas morning. And like, hey, you know what? That's really cool. Which, this is a good segue. Talking about the cocktail hour, right? Ooh, yes. Get That's into what it. I've been drinking. Uh, so this is my, you know, one of my uh, Christmas mugs. It says, don't get your tinsel in a tangle. Um, but this ain't, this ain't coffee. Uh, that's what the drink is called. This ain't coffee. It's um, called This Ain't Coffee? This Ain't Coffee. Um, it's, it's just, uh, it's, this is gingerbread mold wine, <gasps> gingerbread spices and whatever. It, it was warm at the start of this, but now it's a little room temp, but it's still quite good. Justin, um, you're going to laugh because I also am drinking like just wine right now. Uh, so my cocktail <laughs> is kind of a joke. Uh, I'm calling this the red Rider. It's a Lambrusco which is kind of like a, it's a red wine, but it's got like some fizz to it. It's like a, it's almost, it's not carbonated. It's, it's like a sparkling red wine almost. Interesting. Um, but again, I am away from my house at this moment and this is what we had in the fridge. So this is my cocktail. This, Hey, you know, cheers to you. And I love that we're both kind of drawing on the same kind of things. Each episode, our cycles are sinking, Joe. I hope you realize to any listeners, we do not plan or talk to each other about cocktails beforehand. Yeah. Last episode, we named our cocktail essentially the same thing. Yeah. And now this time we're both drinking wine. This is amazing. This is, how this we is, why, we, this is why we have a podcast together. No other reason. Um, it's purely for the alcohol. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, you know, I, I went into this movie with my preconceived notions of like, this is boring. I've never watched it before. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it every year or whatever, but I may change my mind. Um, if I can remove, you know, as much as I can separate the problematic bits of this movie, um, especially, you know, being a new parent and trying these new kinds of methods of raising a child and seeing <laughs> the complete polar opposite portrayed in this movie. Like this is how you get like shitty boomers, right? Yeah. It's, it's from <laughs> these kids being raised this way. Um, you know, the gaslighting, the, the all that kind of shit. If I can remove that from the movie and just kind of like attach myself to um, Ralphie's story and innocence and obsession, like I think I could want to want to watch this movie every year. I want you to want to watch this movie. So 
I, I, I know you hadn't seen Christmas, a Christmas story up until now, but uh, they're watching this uh, this past uh, week. I did have some thoughts around like this movie really reminds me or makes me think of blank um, for separate bits of media in particular that I listed out. And I wonder if you, you see these connections as well. Okay. So first and foremost, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas in like yeah. the, the earnestness and mm-hmm. the, the focus on Christmas spirit, the belief in Santa Claus. Yes. Kind of like where that, that light kind of shines through. Mm-hmm. Second, I think of uh, the wonder years where it's, 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 a, it's a nostalgic show at this point in time, but it's, it was also nostalgic at the time it came out. And it's the same kind of thing, like, right? the narrative uh, component as well, where yeah. like him as an older person is uh, narrating a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yep. I can see that connection. Yep. Very wonder yearsy. Um, I also think of Malcolm in the middle in terms of just like the family dynamic, how it's very much centered on the child. And you see these two parents through the lens of the kid mainly. Yeah. Yep. Even though the parents have like internal um, storylines themselves. I, I, one of the things I like about this movie is that the parents are kind of at each other's throats sometimes, but like, you can also tell that they, they kind of like each other. Like they have moments where like they joke around with each other <laughs> like, when they're buying the tree. They're like planning on like, uh, uh, like, uh, what is, what is the word for it? Where he's like going back and forth with the guy around oh, the, just... and the wife kind of gets into it too, where she's like goading him on. Oh yeah. They're like, uh, he's the negotiating. He was they're a haggling. master negotiator. They're yeah. They're haggling about it. Yeah. And then the last thing uh, I, I I really took away from uh, a Christmas story this past time was um, so I was a huge Calvin and Hobbes uh, fan growing mm-hmm. up. I still am now. I don't know if you ever read that, but it's it's very much the same deal where it's uh, it's it's obviously it's a comic strip. It ran from eighty five to ninety five, I think, uh, and it's very much the same deal where it's uh, it's it's very simplistic. It's this kid and his pet tiger and uh, his parents are the main character. A lot of it takes place in their house. And it's very much like the parents through the eyes of the kid. But they're all they're all uh, a little sarcastic with each other. The kids like uh, acting a little bit older than his age. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it also portrays uh, vignettes in the same way where like uh, it's it's like a little four panel three or four panel comic but the guy would have like ongoing storylines that would be like uh, a few weeks at a time. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's really how I felt about this movie. And in this last watch is that like, this would translate really well to like a comic strip uh, as well, because there's like within each that. individual scene, there's like individual little jokes that you're hitting, but then there's also like overarching uh, yeah. storylines as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Before I can, get, or, I can or, definitely yeah. yeah, I can definitely see all those connections. That definitely makes a lot of sense. But the one I definitely agree with is the wonder yearsing right. of it all. And um yeah, I can see some of the 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 Malcolm the Middle, like the kookiness of the parents, like the dad with the his weird tendencies, that kind of thing. Um, and touching on the mom and dad, you know, how they they seem so polar opposite and so different. Yeah. But they do complement each other every so often and you can tell on Christmas night when she comes downstairs and turns off the lights and he's like, Hey, check it out. It's snowing outside. You know, they were fucking right after that. They have little moments together that are just like 
not really uh, attached to the plot at all, but the movie gives them some time to just like establish them as a, this, this couple who has these two crazy kids. Yeah. Right. And like uh, another bit of that earnestness is like when he keeps like wanting to eat the Turkey and she keeps catching him <laughs> or yelling at him to not touch the Turkey. Like that's, that's really endearing and sweet. And no classic, uh, 80s movie would be complete without a harmful Asian stereotype. God. They, they end up eating duck at the very end of the movie. <laughs> so I knew I knew about that. I knew about the uh, the song that they sing at the mm-hmm. Asian restaurant, but I thought that was from a different movie. I it, thought it, it was from like 16 very, Candles. Like, 16 candles yeah. That's exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> so when it came up and they, they, they're like, all right, get up. We're all going, get dressed. We're going out to eat. And then they show them at the Asian restaurant and I was like oh no this it's this scene this this movie oh bummer <laughs> that's something we can keep in the 80s yep um okay um so before we get into the the little game that I have concocted <laughs> okay uh, at the end of this uh I wanted to talk real quick about just like current Christmas traditions uh that you have right now in your household mm-hmm. so this movie is very much about like this is what Christmas was like in the 40s. These are the different beats that uh, each kid generally hit uh, going towards Christmas. Um, what what are like the what are the checkpoints that you as a household, your your family now uh, tends to hit each Christmas? Obviously, you guys like decorate uh, quite a bit and you get really into the spirit of it all. We try to. Right. Um, yeah. So. We definitely decorate, and it is the day after Thanksgiving. That is the no before, no after, yeah, no anytime after. Um, as much as we can muster it, as much as our time allows or as our energy will allow. Um, this year was a special case because we were battling COVID <laughs> around the week and week after of Thanksgiving, so we got a late start. But yes, that is the main tent pole of um, that's when Christmas music starts. That's mm-hmm. when decorations come up. That's when the tree goes up as, you know, much as everything is possible. Um, that's, that's like the starting gun. Mm-hmm. Um, other things like I love to bake cookies or things throughout the, the weeks leading up to Christmas um, as often as I can try to make sweet treats and things. That's another thing that we love uh, to do. We're in, the, we're in the midst of some intense baking uh, upstairs as I speak right now. Is it the great Murphy Bake Off going on up there? It's that the, the kitchen in this Airbnb is uh, a war zone right now. I love that. Just flour poofing everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm I, I can't wait to see the Instagram pictures or at least the the, the chat pictures later. I'll show some stuff off. I love it. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, so now that we have a one year old. We're trying to instill, you know, starting to trickle in some of that Christmas magic Mm -hmm. to our daughter. And, you know, you keep, or or at least we do, we keep seeing all these posts and all these TikTok videos and Reddit threads on stuff about, you know, the Christmas magic that you feel as a kid. And you come down the stairs or you turn the, the corner in the hallway and you see all the presents and the toys are out and the tree and all that kind of stuff, you know, you don't realize it until much later, obviously, that, like, you know, that magic came from your parents. Mm-hmm. They took the time to stay up late, wrap the presents or put them together, make sure it was special for you. And, like, that's what we're 
trying to navigate now. Like, how do we do that now? She's one or 13 months. She's one years old. Like, how much is she going to retain? But we still want to get into the practice of it. What do we want to do? What don't we want to do? So, like, we decided that this year she really loves looking at the Christmas tree and she loves seeing the lights come on. Yeah. Uh, on the tree. Um, but most of the time when she comes out of the bedroom in the morning and it's time to wake up and all that, the, the tree lights are already on. So what we're going to do on Christmas morning, when we all get up together, we're all going to go out to the living room together and we're going to turn on the lights together. And oh. like, that's going to be the magic moment because she's, her face is going to light up both literally and figuratively. She's going to be just like, Whoa, this is amazing. So like, we want to do that. And then next year we want to do a thing where we're going to like put wrapping paper over the doorway into our living room before we go to bed. So that way in the morning we all come out together and we break through the paper together. Like we're fucking WWE wrestlers. That's kind of amazing. You should all have like walkout songs. Oh, that's, I love that. That's really cool. Okay. We're going to do that. I'm going to write that down. Um, Please. So tradition going. So that's what we're going to try and do. And then, you know, we're navigating, like, how do we tackle the, the Santa Claus of it all? How do we want to go about it? Do we want to be op- upfront and honest with her first? Or how do we want to do that? Like there's, there's things, you know, it's part of the gentle parenting journey of like Santa Claus can be harmful to your kid because you're fucking lying to them straight out or gaslighting them along the way. And just like, we don't want to do that. It is, it is interesting to kind of like, I mean, I get front row seats to this, but like watching like modern parenting styles clash with just like Christmas traditions and like how the two filter each other out. So Justin, um, before we wrap up our episode on A Christmas Story, uh, I had a little game that okay. is, of course, holiday themed that I wanted to run by you. Great. Um, the game is called The Christmas Boy <coughs> Quiz. Um, so... So much of A Christmas Story is about one child obsessed with uh, uh, the toy of the moment, right? Uh, the, the most popular toy at the time, uh, in this case being the, the Red Rider automatic BB gun with the compass in the stock, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Uh, so uh, as part of this Christmas quiz, I went back and I did a little research on the most popular toy of each decade for the last 100 years. Oh my god okay <laughs> okay so here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna give you a year starting okay. with 1920 and then going to 1930 40 50 uh all the way up to 2020 okay. right okay and uh, i'm gonna give you some options and then you're gonna have to tell me what the most popular toy of that year was perfect as far as I know, this is based off of uh, American sales. Um, okay. And just to reiterate, this isn't the most popular toy of that decade. It's that specific year, right? Okay. So the Christmas toy quiz starting in 1920, what was the most popular toy of that year? Was it a Raggedy Ann doll or a slingshot? Based on what I gathered from the 1940s, I'm going to say it was a slingshot. Incorrect. It was a Raggedy Ann doll. See, I thought it was going to be a more violent time. People wanted to just hurt. No, the, the 20s was all about uh, Raggedy Ann. You got Innocence. Innocence. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. Jumping forward to 1930. Was the most popular toy a Mickey Mouse doll or a slingshot? <laughs> I'm going two for two. I'm going slingshot. <laughs> 
Justin, you learned nothing. It was a Mickey Mouse doll. That was. I didn't think. I didn't think Mickey Mouse had been invented till like the later '30s. No, no. He was just he was really hitting his prime in that year. Okay. 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 Jumping forward, 1940 was the most popular toy: the game Monopoly or a Red Ryder BB gun. So it's not a slingshot. 1940. Once it's not a slingshot. 1940. I'm going to say it was Monopoly. Mm, see, I tricked you again. It's a Red Rider BB gun, <laughs> Justin. We just watched a movie about this. God damn it. Okay. Okay. You are zero for three on yep. the Christmas toy quiz, but you can still get 70 to 80% because there's technically 11 questions, not 10. Okay. Um, okay. The year is 1950. What is the most popular toy? A slingshot or. A magic eight ball. 1950? 1950. Slingshot. Justin, it's a magic eight ball. It's Justin. not a <laughs> I cannot Fuck. believe I got you three times in a row on that. Okay. <laughs> I thought the eight ball was like an 80s thing. Okay. You're learning a lot this quiz. I okay. am. I am. 1960 was the most popular toy a Mr. Potato Head or an Etch-A-Sketch? Potato head. Etch a sketch. Okay, I am now not my goal, doing great. I'm not. Now doing my great. goal is to like see how far we can go without you getting a single one right. Me too. Uh, yeah. Okay. 1970 was the most popular toy: a Nerf ball or Legos. Seventy. 1970. I'm gonna say Nerf ball. Justin, you got it. It's a Nerf ball. Yes, I got one. You uh, can survive uh, this game with your honor intact. Yes. Um, okay, moving forward to 1980. What's the most popular toy of that year? A Rubik's Cube or a Star Wars action figure? 1980. It was a Star Wars action figure. That's your final answer? That is. That's incorrect. It was a Rubik's Cube. Damn it. You even gave me a chance. <laughs> I know. We were kind of between Star Wars at that time. That's what I thought. And I figured it was still like heightened. Still fresh on the mind. Yeah. No. Kids move on pretty quickly. That they um, do. Okay. 1990. We're getting into your territory here now. Yes. So you, yeah. you should know more of these. 1990 was the most popular toy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures or a talk boy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Talkboy hadn't been invented yet. You are absolutely correct, and I was hoping that you would catch that Home Alone 2 reference, which came out in 92. That's right. Okay. You got three points. Um, okay, the year is 2000. Was the most popular toy a Tamagotchi or a PlayStation 2? Ooh. 2000? Mm-hmm. I don't think PlayStation 2 had come out yet, so I'm going to say it was a Tamagotchi. It was a PlayStation 2. It had. Ah, it had. Okay. All right. Getting into 2010. Mm -hmm. My high school years. Yep. Your old person years. I don't know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Was the most popular toy an iPad or the game Guitar Hero? An iPad. The Guitar Hero had its its time years prior. So it, it was an iPad. 
you're so correct. Guitar Hero was the most popular toy in like 2007, but it yeah. wasn't iPad. Yeah. I tried to catch you on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I got you. Okay. 2020, two years ago, your yep. final question. Yep. Can you go five for 11? <laughs> <laughs> so respectable. Um, was the most popular toy of 2020 an animatronic Grogu doll from The Mandalorian or an iPhone? See, I'm trying to think of when the first season of The Mandalorian was. But iPhones sell like gangbusters. And I think Mandalorian was late 2020. Uh, I'm going to say iPhone. I kind of tricked you on that one. It's a Grogu doll. Uh, the first season of Mandalorian was like 2019. Was um, it? But that doll had such staying power that it kind of became the most popular toy in between seasons. Uh, yeah. You bastard. <laughs> okay, well, that was awful. Uh, you yeah. got 4 for 11 on the Christmas toy quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really need to study up next time. I do. I do. I'm disappointed I don't know toys. And I'm disappointed more kids didn't want slingshots. <laughs> In the earlier years. Slingshots was more of like a summer gift, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who wants to slingshot outside in the cold? That makes sense. What are you slingshotting, snowballs? Idiot. (laughs) All right, Justin. Um, Thank you so much for watching uh, A Christmas Story. I am so glad I got to introduce this to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, Like, I had never wanted to partake. I never even wanted to watch this movie outside of this podcast that we do. So thank you for like even suggesting it. Cause it was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch this movie. That's this is what my year podcast is about. We are introducing <laughs> each other to areas of culture, areas of cinema that mm-hmm. we would not have uh, visited otherwise. Yeah. That I would have otherwise, you know, turned my nose up to because it, the movie looked boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much for uh, kind of hanging out with us these past few months. Uh, we are really excited to see this podcast expand in 2023. Yeah, thanks for, for 10 episodes. We did it. 10 episodes. One day we will release the first two episodes that never got released. Yeah, <laughs> they were they're something to be reckoned with. But yeah, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah to mm. everyone in the in the world. Especially Brussels. Shout out to Brussels. We love Brussels. Merry Christmas, Brussels. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys in the new year. We got some new fun things planned. I think the theme that we're going to do next month in January is firsts. Like our firsts. Because it's first of the year. That kind of thing. New beginnings. Let's let's go with that. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Cool. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Justin. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, here we go. Here's the outro video. Bye, everybody.